0: Section sixteen of With the Royal Army Medical Corps in Egypt by Sergeant Major R. A. M. C. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifteen The Medical Advisory Committee for the Near East. In the medical history of the war, when it comes to be written, two facts will stand prominently forth the amazingly high standard of technical efficiency displayed by all branches of the Army Medical Service, and the extent to which expert knowledge in the innumerable departments of medical science has been called upon to aid the regular RAMC executive with the forces. This latter may be said to be a new departure in the art of waging war taking its inception from the present campaign and the notable success of its adoption cannot fail to revolutionise all ideas for the future if war except in its minor local sense be destined to have any future a thing which it is safe to predict the whole disgusted blood-satiated world of thinking men and women will unite to prevent nowhere in the whole area of the war has this innovation been more fully exploited than in the eastern mediterranean nor indeed could greater necessity for it have existed elsewhere in the foregoing pages it has been fairly thoroughly demonstrated amidst what circumstances of unexampled difficulty our army physicians and surgeons have carried on their work not only had all the injuries of war ordinary and extraordinary to be faced not only had the common ailments incidental to any army of europeans on active service to be dealt with but there were all the dangers to health inseparable from the existence of white men in tropical countries or under specially trying south-european climatic conditions to be faced with resources obtainable only from a base thousands of miles away it is a matter of common history however that our medical service in the near east held together magnificently against all these odds this was due of course primarily to the efficiency energy and devotion unfailingly displayed by all ranks in the royal army medical corps but our officers and men from the highest to the lowest received incalculable aid from the experts permanently attached to every denomination of the service it is not too much to say that every soldier in our armies fighting in the eastern Mediterranean area had, at his disposal, in the event of his critical illness or injury, just as much expert medical or surgical help as he could have secured had he been a wealthy inhabitant of Park Lane. Many of the most famous names in medicine and surgery are to be found in the ramc nominal role of specialists doing duty in this war area and their services were equally at the disposal of the commander-in-chief or the humblest private in the ranks but the medical authorities at home were not content even with this eminently satisfying and heartening state of things they realised that the entire ramc organisation out here was working at full pressure nay at forced draft and it could not be expected to have eyes at the back of its head such eyes however the director general now determined to provide for us and the resolve took effect in a singularly happy expedient a committee of five experts each one pre-eminent in his own particular subject was chosen and was sent out to the eastern mediterranean in july nineteen fifteen its allotted duty was to pervade the whole scene of operations and generally to advise the local executive authorities on any and every matter appertaining to the maintenance of health among the troops but particularly to concern itself with the enormously important question of the prevention of epidemic diseases. Throughout all the Near Eastern operations, this latter problem has ever been the gravest with which our service has been called upon to deal. The military difficulties at the Dardanelles, at Salonika, in Mesopotamia, and on the Sinai Desert, were all unexampled in their peculiar way but it is doubtful whether they at any time surpassed in gravity that constantly presented by the problems confronting the medical service as a single example of the kind of emergency we had to face it may be mentioned that during a period of only six weeks at the end of the summer of nineteen fifteen a large number of cases of diarrhea and dysentery occurred among the troops dependent on the Egyptian medical base. Theoretically, of course, all these cases were cases of preventable disease. Practically, a great many, possibly the vast majority, would have been prevented. If only the hard-worked medical and sanitary executive throughout the military system had had time to look about it and to devise schemes for the future, both immediate and remote. This duty of looking about and contriving, admittedly of such pressing need and importance, was immediately assumed by the medical advisory committee on its arrival in the Near East and the fruit of the committee's activities soon became abundantly visible the committee prosecuted its labors throughout a period of nearly two years and some idea of the conscientious manner in which it performed the task allotted to it may be gathered from a mere itinerary of its travels arriving in july 1915 When the Dardanelles struggle was at its height, it spent the first four weeks in inspections in Egypt, in Alexandria, Cairo, and throughout the Suez Canal area. It then proceeded to Mudros, the advanced base for the Gallipoli force, where a large amount of useful inspection work was carried out. In September, it crossed to the peninsula and made a thorough round of our positions at suvla anzac and cape hellas thence it journeyed back to mudrose for more inspection work returning to egypt in october again in november it took ship for mudrose crossed once more to the peninsula for another series of inspections was back in mudrose at the end of the month when it almost immediately set sail for salonica and the serbo-bulgarian frontiers and there carried out an extended tour this latter task occupied the greater part of december and on its completion the committee made for egypt once more in nineteen sixteen the committee's movements were equally far-reaching and various from January to April, it remained in Egypt, carrying out a number of inspections in the contiguous war areas, especially the canal zone. At the end of April, it again paid a visit to Salonika, passing thence to Malta, and finding itself back in Egypt by the month of June. It now busied itself in the establishment of a head office called the epidemiological bureau in cairo the object of which was to provide a centre whither periodical reports clinical and statistical could be sent from all medical units in the country and where these could be tabulated and generally digested into practically usable form for the purpose of the committee's preventive work thereafter the arena for this ubiquitous body's activities became twofold. Four of its members, acting under special instructions now received from the War Office, proceeded to Mesopotamia early in August, returning to Egypt only in April 1917, after a most arduous winter campaign of inspections. The remaining member of the committee retained his headquarters in Cairo, where, together with his two epidemiological officers, he not only attended to the heavy duties of the Bureau, but contrived to find time for inspection visits to the Alexandrian camps and also for voyages to Malta, Salonika, and the Bulgarian frontier once more. In May, By common consent of the authorities both at home and abroad, the work of the committee was adjudged at an end, and its members then returned to England for a much deserved rest. Even thus set down in the dry matter of fact of a chronological sequence, the quality and extent of the labours of these five highly trained scientific men are sufficiently obvious to have covered so many thousand miles of land and sea as their travels necessitated is in itself a notable achievement. But when one comes to examine the recorded results, the innumerable official reports on inspections and investigations, displaying so much patient assembling of facts, widely scattered and difficult to come by, and so many ingenious deductions and recommendations the wonder engendered in the mind of the plain everyday man of action is still more increased the main facts that strike an unexpert but attentive reader of these reports is their scientific exactitude in dealing with detail their catholic breadth of treatment their sound moderate practical common sense and the extent of real learning revealed by the writers in spite of the deterrence inseparable from their travels winter and summer year in and year out over scorching desert stormy submarine infested sea through lands swept by gunfire and pestilence their passage clogged at times by deluge arctic-like cold mud dust blowing red-hot sand and bodily discomfort unspeakable these five gallant gentlemen pushed sturdily indomitably forward and did what was expected of them honestly and thoroughly without swank or more than passing slight enumeration of the difficulties encountered where such mention was necessary to explain the quality of the results achieved it must be at once conceded that the only way to arrive at a true perception of what the medical advisory committee accomplished in the interests of the health and comfort of our armies in the east is to make careful study of all these reports from beginning to end some conception however of the scope the variety and the far-reaching effect of this committee's labours may be gathered from such general swift survey of them as is alone possible here. The main official raison d'etre of the committee's existence was to advise as to the prevention of epidemic diseases among the troops, and all their efforts, discursive as they may seem, were really directed against this one fountainhead of military inefficiency they conceived their mission limited in words to this one brief concise phrase as actually limited alone by the circle of conditions within which bodies of soldiers may move at any period of active service whether at the base or in the firing line whether fighting marching pent up together in the concentration camps or lurking in the foxholes of the bivouac Dugout or trench. They realised the dangers to health appertaining to each particular environment, and while thinking en masse, as is alone possible when dealing with vast armies, they yet, as wise men, saw from the beginning that the only way of securing a healthy community was to ensure an unlimited supply of healthy individuals. As a necessary corollary, therefore, the activities of the committee were destined to prove hydra-headed. Their functions, being only advisory and not executive, their acts naturally took the form of written reports, addressed to the different Surgeons-General, whether of Egypt, Malta, Salonika or Mesopotamia, within whose jurisdictions they had been labouring these reports for the most part took one set form each was divided into three heads first existing arrangements or conditions in whatever was under investigation were accurately and punctiliously set forth then the conditions that ought to exist as a pure matter of principle were detailed Finally, a series of clear, succinct recommendations was given under the imprimatur of the committee, such recommendations embodying the changes deemed practicable within the limits of unalterable local circumstances. By this systematic procedure in reporting, the committee at one and the same time held up in full view the ideal recorded the actual, and put in plain practical words, the possible, which latter, as it always proves in human affairs, was just a happy give-and-take between the other two. Merely to record the subjects dealt with in these reports would in itself be a lengthy task. A large number of them were concerned with the salubrity or otherwise of campsites, and the two vital matters of camp sanitation and conservancy the committee realizing from the first that in what may be called the domestic side of military life lay the principal field for their activities in regard to egypt the conditions under this head were of a very complicated character vast bodies of troops were continually arriving in the country remaining there for various periods long or short and then passing on to the different theatres of war the consequence of this was that a number of very large camps of a more or less permanent nature were established in those parts of the country which were easily accessible to railway or dock the necessity for having these concentration camps close to the means of transport and to a sufficient supply of good water greatly restricted the military authorities as to choice of site the troops therefore in many instances were inevitably too closely crowded together and the sanitary and conservancy difficulties common to all camps were thereby largely increased sanitation is never wholly a matter of principle indeed in practice the sanitary enthusiast must be prepared to find all theoretic laws even those of arithmetic itself set at defiance in sanitary science twice two may usually be relied upon to mean four but twice two thousand may yield a wholly disproportionate figure arrangements sufficing for a small camp can seldom be made to work for a large one by the simple process of multiplication and when as was the case with these large concentration camps in egypt the ground was not only continuously occupied by vast bodies of men and animals but these bodies were periodically changing and moreover the responsibility for the sanitary arrangements incessantly passing into fresh hands the difficulty of preserving sanitary law and order about each site became a very grave difficulty indeed on every aspect then of this weighty problem the committee focused the main part of its energy and attention visiting practically every large camp within the allotted sphere of its influence, and fearlessly having its say on whatever seemed to it in need of reform. A general war against these specific germs of disease may be said to have constituted the next most important item in the committee's programme. This, in its wider sense, includes all measures such as inoculation, whereby a potentially germ-destructive condition is induced in the human body itself, ready to combat any chance invasion of disease-producing organisms. The committee thoroughly investigated the systems in force in the army as to this branch of preventive medicine, reported as to their universality detected and suggested methods for filling in gaps in the vital defensive line, made recommendations as to improvement in quality and nature of the different vaccines or emulsions, and generally infused the whole practice with the latest conceptions of science relating to the subject. It went closely into the existing provision and equipment of base and field laboratories and the methods of work in force therein, and rendered invaluable service by suggesting possible improvements in systems adopted and appliances used. But it was against the disease germ, which as yet was only a latent power for evil, the myriads of microbes pervading everything the soldier touched or consumed, that the committee's efforts were chiefly directed. In a tropical country, the physician soon comes, from dread experience, to regard every single thing, animate or inanimate, with suspicion almost invariably well-grounded. The water used by the troops was everywhere subjected to tests, and the best methods for its purification on a large or small scale enumerated various new methods for the prevention and destruction of germ-carrying insects were devised apparatus in use for the wholesale disinfection of the soldiers clothing and effects was overhauled and valuable new appliances introduced the preservation of food from contamination received all the thought and care it demanded in countries where not only winged pests abounded but where a highly infective dust or sand continually dwelt upon the air in this regard the committee went very closely into the whole kitchen and food handling systems in vogue in the army at all points and made them the subjects of many helpful and luminous reports It also dealt with the serious problem of the existence of vast hordes of native helpers and labourers in proximity to all our camps in the Near East. The difficulty of inducing these folk to conduct their daily lives according to notions of the most elementary sanitary decency, not to mention any sort of real scientific cleanliness, was well nigh insuperable it had to be tackled of course it needed only a breath of wind from the right quarter blowing over a dirty neglected native camp to carry a cloud of infected dust and flies capable of spreading contamination through a whole british division here the argoside committee rendered yeoman service, going down into the deeps everywhere and unearthing sources of contagion which might well have escaped the regular sanitary inspectors, no matter how conscientiously they held to their task. One very useful capacity in which the committee served during its two years' sojourn in the eastern Mediterranean area is clearly indicated in these reports, although it is little likely to attract general notice whenever and wherever in the whole Near Eastern war zone some sharp, serious, inexplicable outbreak of epidemic disease occurred, the committee acted as a sort of breakdown gang or flying squadron, which would proceed immediately to the threatened spot and take expert measures to stamp out the mischief. Over and over again, the services of the committee were utilised by the regular medical authorities in emergencies of this kind and with uniformly good results as an instance of this may be mentioned the sudden mysterious appearance of enterica in the large camp at moascar near Ismailia in the suez canal zone in august of nineteen sixteen Within a period of about a fortnight, twenty three cases of this intestinal disorder occurred, and the authorities naturally took alarm, as in such a crowded district, practically unlimited possibilities for the spread of the disease were ready to hand. The advisory committee was promptly dispatched to the spot, with the result that the cause of the outbreak was immediately discovered in some defective latrines and what might have developed into a serious trouble happily averted again one of the principal dangers to our troops serving in the east consists in the distressing and probably incurable tropical disease bilharziosis which has been referred to in previous chapters that this parasitic disorder has not developed long since into a serious menace to the efficiency of our near east armies must be entirely set down to the vigilance of the medical authorities all conceivable precautions against it having been sedulously adopted from the very beginning of hostilities but isolated instances of the trouble have cropped up from time to time, traceable almost invariably to the neglect of the enjoined simple precautions on the part of the men concerned. The disease, it has been clearly proved, can be acquired by bathing in contaminated water, drinking such water, or even by the handling of fish from an infected stream in the autumn of nineteen sixteen some twenty cases of bilharziosis were detected at an australian hospital in cairo among patients diagnosed as suffering from quite a different complaint these men all came from one great military camp and it was obvious that what had occurred to these few might befall many more if the source of infection were not immediately discovered and removed the advisory committee were at once put on to the case they interviewed the men and drew from them the admission that contrary to orders they had all on one occasion bathed in a certain pool near the camp thereupon the committee journeyed to the place found the pool detected the bilhazier organisms in it by microscopical examination on the spot, and caused the necessary local measures to be taken to prevent a recurrence of the mischief. In this particular instance of the committee's usefulness, mention may be made of the special difficulty encountered in the work, as throwing a little light on the general conditions of their task. The Bilharzia organism lives a particularly complicated life, partly in the water, partly as a parasite of certain species of freshwater snail, and partly within the body of its human or animal host. The exact cycle of the various stages of its life need not be here detailed, but the thorough character of the committee's investigation is evidenced by the fact that they went to the trouble, in regard to this particular pool, of identifying the organism in all its stages, and even determined in what manner the original infection was conveyed to this isolated patch of water, by searching for and discovering human faecal deposits, probably native, in the vicinity in which the characteristic lateral spined ovum of the bilharzia worm was easily demonstrable it is not however possible nor is it necessary to attempt within the limited scope of these pages anything like a complete enumeration of this redoubtable committee's doings enough has been said above to show what a real influence for good its members exerted on the health of our troops under all aspects of the campaign. End of Section sixteen